Hey, it's a good question. Hello, good questionnaires. Can I call you that? What we want to do today is look at life through the lens of love and truth. Talk about spiritual stuff. Think about spiritual stuff. See if we can't see what's behind or above the stuff we usually go through in life. So happy to be able to do that with all of you and really happy to do that with this really, really great panel of expert human beings uh, that we have on tonight. So everybody say hello. We've got Cara, we got Jonathan, we got Cara, and everybody's here. And uh, we're all here to do nothing but engage with whatever you guys want to talk about. There's a chat function here on YouTube. Get in there, ask whatever question. you. And you know, who knows if we're going to know the answer, but we sure are going to talk about whatever you want us to talk about. And we love seeing your responses as well, getting this whole community thing going. Uh, so don't be shy. Write in. If you've never written it in, this is, this is a great time to start it up. We want to hear from you, talk about stuff that's relevant, relevant to the people. Uh, so as we're doing that, this is also a time when you can show your appreciation of not just this show, but the entire slate of programming we have on this channel. Uh, the One of the only sources of Swedenborg-related content on the internet, but we're hoping to change that by getting the word out there. So you can help us do that. Go to O-T-L-E monthly. No, just, I'm sorry, just O-T-L-E.Cosvox.com. We used to do that, but O-T-L-E.Cosvox.com is how you can donate to support us. And we have a very exciting announcement. We got another matching gift. So good question. You guys out there who watch, good question. You have been a huge part of propelling our giving forward, which so you basically, all of you help make the rest of the programming possible. We have a, a way tonight for you to make even more of a difference. We have a matching gift of up to $500. So a very generous anonymous donor has said, tonight, whatever any of you contribute, we're going to match that dollar for dollar, all the way up to $500. So if we don't match it tonight, we don't get it. But if you come out and give, we can do that. Plus, if we hit our threshold, which is just a measly $200, we'll all do an extra 15 minutes of answering questions for you. And you're probably saying right now, it's taking you 15 minutes to explain this, so you better give us an extra 15 minutes. Seriously, we're a not-for-profit. We have to have you guys contributing in order for this to work. So don't be shy. Ask questions. Donate. Let's get some matching. Let's see what we can do. Okay, so let's take a look at what our first question is. This is from Jama. Thanks for writing in, Jama. Jama asks, how can mediums know? Is she or he talking to a real human spirit? Or how can, me how can mediums know? Are there messengers, demons, or good spirits? Demons can do some tricks. That's why I ask. So unless somebody, one, one of you, is not telling me something, none of us are mediums. But in Swedenborg's writings, you get this amazing detailed entry by entry, day by day, insight into somebody who, I don't know if you call him a medium, but he could talk to spirits and he could relay what they were saying. So any tips from this this 30 year odyssey that he went on that would be relevant to people today who are having these sorts of experiences and wondering, can, can I trust these people that I'm, spirit people that I'm running into? Does anyone have any uh, input on that? Yeah, Jonathan, let's do it. I. Let's go with Jonathan. I mean, what what's the risk, right? <laughs> the um, uh, first thing that comes to mind is that passage in Isaiah chapter seven, I think it is, where it says that he will learn to refuse the evil and choose the good. Um, in other words, that's not something that we're necessarily born knowing. It's kind of an acquired skill to know what the evil is, what the good is, and and to refuse the evil and choose the good. 
um, I think it says there that he'll eat butter and honey or something like that. But what they correspond to means learning about compassion, learning about truth, so that you can tell the difference, because the difference can be very subtle. The New Testament says that devils can pose as angels of light and confuse people and that sort of thing. Um, but at the core, uh, there is a difference. And sometimes Swedenborg prays. There's one time he sees this beautiful statue, and then he prays, and heaven's light comes in, and he sees it's really awful and ugly, and um, it wasn't as good as it appeared. Uh, so with some prayer and key elements are, what is the purpose behind what's being said? And what's the time frame? Like how urgent, how how pressing? It's generally sort of an evil spirit trick to say, you have to sign up right now. You know, this is the moment this has to, angels are generally much more patient. Anyway, those are a few thoughts. Yeah, ama amazing to think uh, about everybody who was a person is now a spirit. Everyone who's ever been alive. So when you think of spirits, you generally think of this like weird science fiction thing. But if you just think of like, oh, all the people, of course, there's going to be this spectrum of good and bad. And of course, people are going to have these different kind of hustles where they try to trick you. And so they put it up against that framework like you're talking about. You know, does this run afoul of what you know about goodness and truth? So, yeah, Karin, do you have something? Yeah, I think we actually can be practicing that in earthly life. Just we all have to be learning how to tell the difference between scammers and, and genuine people. And it's challenging. But the more you learn, the more you get informed about tactics of a scammer, <laughs> um, the, the more um, able you are to tell the difference and who's, who's um, bringing you some genuine information and who isn't. And so the same applies to, to spirits. And, you know, medium just means somebody who can talk, who can bring messages between levels. And Swedenborg even talks about mediums in the spiritual world that can bring a message from one level of the spiritual world to another. So that's just a go-between. But as far as what the messages are coming to the person you know, who's receiving it, yeah, it's it just takes... Um, some knowledge, like Jonathan was saying about what is what is the agenda of goodness? Because the agenda of goodness is never to push anything, to push you into doing or believing something. It leaves you in freedom. Um, there is just more of a genuine, uh, general wish to support you and to bring out the good in you, and things like that that are um, might often be more general. But uh, you know, I'm thinking of just dream visits, for instance, from people in the afterlife. Uh, usually the genuine ones are more simple, like they're, it's just love, it's a smile, it's a hug. Um, and, you know, lower spirits will wanna talk, 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 talk more. <laughs> and um, so th those are just some things, um, higher spirits will, there'll be more symbolism maybe than, than words. Um, those are just some things I've picked up from uh, from reading Swedenborg, but mainly the what's the what's the feel behind it, the agenda that seems to be the agenda behind it. If you're wondering if this is your loved one, does it does it feel like your loved one? Is it something that they would say or do? You know, is there and is there the feel of their particular love for you behind it? So it just does take some personal discernment and and thinking it over. 
I love it. And that, that's the, the Swedenborg experience is an answer to some kind of spiritual question. You will find information on that looking at the world around you because the, the two are connected. So just you can be looking at the way people operate to, to try to you know, learn things about the way spirits operate. But also I would also add to that, that you, all of us are navigating are these good or bad spirits all the time in the way that we deal with our own thoughts and feelings. Because Swedenborg says that actually thoughts and feelings, it's not di as direct, but we are they are basically like an influence from the spiritual world. And there can be, uh, you know, scamming, critical, pushy thoughts that are deceptive. How, how many people, you know people who believe things that aren't true, right? But they believe them tenaciously. And so the, the same way thoughts grab a hold of people, this is the way spirits are. So, so even by learning and navigating and, and a, reflecting on your own thoughts and feelings, you can start to build up a little bit of those street smarts. Uh, yeah, I want to recommend a, an old video Curtis made ages ago called Your Brain is Spamming You. <laughs> and just to learn to be discerning about your own thoughts and feelings too. You know, what, what's the agenda behind them and should you accept them? We're talking super old. That was one of the first videos ever on, maybe the second video, you know, third video ever on this channel, something like that, maybe fourth. Uh, and we now have like 700 and something videos on this channel. Uh, so thanks, Jin, for, or for, thanks, Jama, for uh, asking that question. Speaking of 700 videos, don't forget otle.causevox.com. That's how you could, those videos wouldn't have happened if people hadn't got on and donated. And if you donate, you're going to get a very special thank you. Meaning I'm going to just hold up this sign that my four-year-old made. That is a shining heart there on the side. That's a lowercase y. Uh, so don't forget that we that we can only do this with all of you. You'll get the matching. Just go to otle.causevox.com. Put in any gift, large or small, and you help us do what we do. Okay, let's move to our next question. This is from Sean Smith. Sean Smith asks, hello, Sean. Thanks for writing in. Silence of the mind is key. That is meditation. Does Swedenborg say anything about meditation or anything similar? And do we see a convergence? Because how many traditions and spiritual paths are saying this is important? Do we see an analog in this in Swedenborg? I guess you can yeah, look at, does Swedenborg do any meditating kind of stuff? Or does he talk about calming the, the mind? So um, what do you all think? Jonathan, yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> he says that when he was a child, he had a kind of a breathing that he would do and that angels would become pr present to him in some way, even in his childhood. That's very interesting to me that, that maybe he had some sort of a practice already that he was just shown as a child. Um, he uses the word meditation a lot. It's very difficult to tell what exactly he means by it. He also talks a lot about breathing. Um, but about meditation, it's hard to tell whether he means kind of emptying the mind or actually focusing the mind very intently on something, you know, reflecting and considering something really deeply. But I think they become about the same thing. I think part of the Swedenborg story is that he had extraordinary powers of concentration. He could sit there for 11 hours without taking a break and think about, you know, the pancreas and what it does or something. Um, and no, no. and I, I think it becomes a meditation after a while. Um, 
And there's a passage in Secrets of Heaven number 322, and I don't remember exactly what it says, but it says something like, all life consists in the exercise of sensation, and such as is the sensation, such is the life, as anyone can tell, something like that. And so that idea of the exercise of sensation is very interesting to me that it it sounds like what you do in meditation, where it's certainly at the beginning you think, how does my body feel in space? What am I hearing? You know, or, or what am I seeing? And, and that sort of thing, the exercise of sensation. So I think there are things that speak to the idea of meditation in, in what he writes. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's, that's awesome. And I want to hear from the rest of you first though, real quick. Thank you. We got a donation. This is from Pamela. First donor. We're starting to creep up now toward and her donation. You can see was matched. So we got double that for the channel. We're starting to creep up towards our $200. If we get that, we'll do 15 more minutes. Thank you so much. Let's keep thinking about meditation. Cause yeah, you're, I, I love that you pointed out that he uses the word meditation all the time, but his is often kind of intertwined with concentrating on a subject. So what, you know, how does it relate to quieting the mind and all that stuff? So, Karin, so do you have something? Yeah, I, it is very interesting that he does say a lot about breathing and actually um, breathing has something to do with getting in a rhythm with, with spirits, you know, like with the spiritual world, there's different kinds of breathing on different levels of reality. And he kind of, seems to have found ways to connect with those other kinds of breathing that kind of brings him into, into that level. But also, as was said, um, meditating on a topic, he, he would be wondering intently about something spiritual and he would meditate on it. So focus so much on it. And then he would find himself in a spiritual experience and getting the answers. And he does say that as soon as, you know, I, I laugh when he will say something like, as soon as your mind is uh, removed from earthly things, there you are in the spiritual world. And I wish it was that easy for me. <laughs> like, well, I guess I can never totally remove my mind from earthly things, but um, that in one way, that's all it takes. And, and that doesn't have to mean, like Jonathan was indicating, doesn't have to mean ignoring the body um, or the physical, but it's, because often he wasn't, he was, he was just focusing, but it has to do with wanting to know about the spiritual level of whatever is connected with that physical, if you see what I mean. <laughs> so um, it's, it's, it needs a, a desire to enter that spiritual level in some way, in thought, in, in feelings and um, in focus. Desire is everything. You know, where we think about quieting the thoughts, but you also got to pay attention to what what your longings are or what your motivations are. So it seemed to play a key role for Swedenborg. Cara, did you have any thoughts around meditation? You ever come across that word when you're doing your Latin consultation and all that? I have. I have come across that word. But what what came to mind was actually something that's a little tangential, whereas Swedenborg talks about that. Um, what creates the happiness of angels or good spirits, I forget exactly how it goes, is that they are in the present moment. They are not worried about the future. They're not concerned about the past. 
they're in the present moment and that's why they're able to be peaceful and happy. And I, and that's, that's a part of meditation, right? Is to just come down to like where you are feeling your breath in your body now, feeling the floor beneath you, whatever. Um, so that's, that's what came to mind for me about it. Yeah. And w one final thought I had on quieting the mind is Swedenborg's principle of becoming nothing. That even though he, he was not in a space where he necessarily needed to quiet his thoughts in order to access the spiritual, because he could, as you said, do it, do it very much with an active mind. Um, he was getting to this place where he said it's it's called being nothing. In the, even spirits would talk to him and say, well, why aren't you, I'm trying to get you riled up about this thing. Why aren't you getting riled up about it? That he was in this, um, locked into this mindset of such a deep trust of God and God's providence that all of the attempts at agitation that evil spirits and, and, and middle kind of spirits would get, run at him didn't do anything. And it, I think that part of why he was able to be so lucid and so informative in his descriptions is because he was in this, what I would consider like had quieted what we feel like is the mind, which is this chatter from the spiritual world, because he was able to focus on, on what's really going on, you know? So, so I, I feel like that's a cool thing to tack on to the end. Thanks so much, Sean, for a great question. Before we move to our next one, don't forget otle.causevox.com. If you want to see extra questions here, help us reach our goal, help us get that match. Please log on, make a donation if you've been enjoying our channel and haven't already done that. Next question is Juan Orozco, I think that's probably right, asks, what does the story of Jonah and the whale mean? This So Swedenborg has this amazing uh, device of correspondences that he says is the reason why the Bible, which is this divine text for the human race, is written in these strange uh, stories like a person getting swallowed by a whale. You really, God is going to come and tell you about life and let me tell you the story of somebody getting swallowed by a whale for three days and then coming back out. Do you guys know, if, does Swedenborg make direct commentary on that? I've been meaning to look up that story. I do not know right now, <laughs> but I can put it on our list, Juan, if, if nobody here knows tonight. Um, I could make some guesses because whales have to symbolize things to do with um, earthly level knowledge, you know, like the ocean just full of um, facts and knowledge and things. And I think maybe Jonathan can <laughs> tell me this, but uh, there is some reference in the Bible to Jesus, um, if the three days after the crucifixion and, and the three days that Jonah was in the whale. So there's definitely some Jesus symbolism there and maybe being drawn down. So I think I'll stop there because I don't really know, um, but I would love to look it up. <laughs> that never stopped us before. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan, what do you, what do you think? Well, <clears throat> I've loved this story and um, it was very interesting to me to learn that um, some scholars uh, view this story as sort of comic relief. Um, uh, if you're familiar with the story, Jonah gets called by God to give this message to people who were strangers, foreigners to himself. And he heads, he gets the first boat going in the opposite direction. And so they see it as sort of almost comedic compared to most prophets who get called and they Yes, Lord, I will serve. And, you know, and, and Jonah it takes the boat in the opposite direction. And it's so interesting then that Jesus does liken his, 
you know, crucifixion and resurrection to something about Jonah, like he dignifies that story more than the way some people look at it. And uh, my main thought about it is that it has something to do with severe temptations. I mean, Jonah really goes through powerlessness on a massive level. You know, I mean, they try everything to calm the ship that he's riding on because there's such a storm. And finally, they draw lots and they realize that we need to toss this guy overboard and then he gets swallowed. It doesn't actually say it's a whale. It's a great fish, but he gets swallowed up and he's down. There. It's just, it's increasing powerlessness. And there's some poetry in the thing that what the image that stays with me is the idea that he says, weeds were wrapped around my head, you know, and he was taken all the way down to the moorings of the mountains. And I think of that weeds wrapped around your head as a perfect image to what some people call stinking thinking. Or, you know what I mean, that false thoughts are just absolutely encircling uh, your mind. And uh, another interesting fact of the story to me is that Jonah, when he's still in the belly of this great fish, he says to God, thank you for getting me out of this situation. He's still 100% in it, but he says, thank you from the belly of the whale. And that's when he gets released and kind of magically thrown up onto the shore. And then God says again to him, so how about Nineveh? You still want to do that job? And he goes and he does, he does Nineveh the second time. And, and, um, and there's more drama that goes on there, but, but uh, so I don't know too much about it, but it seems like it's a story about temptations, both the temptations that Jesus went through when he was in this world and, and at the end of his life and, also the temptations that we go through, really bad ones where you're just really in the pit, you know, to me, like that's what it's about. And prayer at that level can be, can, can deliver you in a way that nothing else can. Yeah. So, I wanted to just add that it does really seem like rock bottom, you know, like a, a story about rock bottom, just lowest point of temptation when finally all you can do is turn to God. And then, and then things change. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. And there we go from, I, the chances of me getting into the belly of a whale between now and the end of my life are low. I mean, I would like to take some exotic snorkeling trips, but I don't know. Right. So how does that apply to me? But what you're talking about there, getting overwhelmed by the mind going through spiritual crises and temptations, suddenly that, that story is hitting home. And I think that's the beauty of correspondences. Car, I'd love to hear some thoughts, but first from you, but first I have to say, we have a, a number of thanks that are in order. I wanna say thanks to Shirley, who gave a gift, thank you. Uh, Ellen gave a gift, as well as an anonymous donor, thank you very much, and Bonnie. So all that together, we're creeping up there getting towards our $200 goal to get the extra 15 minutes. And it's all, see how it's doubled here. It's all matched up. Thank you everyone so much. So, but this is what the people are supporting is we got to keep talking about this whale and how getting swallowed by a whale relates to our life. So Cara, do you have any thoughts on the, on the story? I think you guys covered it very well. I'll leave it at that. I, good, good. I, um, I, I think about that image of, getting swallowed by a whale and that Swedenborg will tie animals and even things like the sea, as you were saying, to 
ideas and concepts and things. And so you think about before I was talking about people who believe things that aren't true that you, that you can tell. Have, have you ever been or known someone who you just feel like got swallowed by this false belief? Right. That you just lot you lot like I can't even talk to them anymore because they're so adamant about something, you know, or, or you th- see people that that you can that you can tell have kind of detached from reality and end up doing terrible things because they've been swallowed by some kind of something paranoia, something like that. So the, the whale being very potent. And but then also when you're going through your own struggles of life and, and this feeling of like, oh, I am I am in the belly right now. I mean, it just, it just starts to really feel like it's something. So thank you, Juan, for bringing that up. And yeah, this is the correspondence is a consistent system. So whether or not Swedenborg refers to that one in particular at length, we can discern what it means because of the building blocks we have from these other things. So we're going to move on now to Daffodil, who asks, did Swedenborg talk about sleep paralysis? Or do you guys have any thoughts on it? I've had a, I've had a number of these episodes and each time it was has been frightening and very, very real, much more powerful than a dream. Yeah, Karen, do you want to start us off? I'll start off by saying we talked about sleep paralysis in our show, uh, Where Dreams Come From, or is that the title of the? That's it, yep. And I wish I remembered more details, but I what I remember, and it's about 30 minutes into that show, I've recommended it enough to people <laughs> that I remember where to go to in that show to watch. So check that out. Um, but there is a description by Swedenborg uh, from Spiritual Diary of, of experiencing just being paralyzed by, by spirits, you know, by evil spirits. And also we had on that show um, a guest, who oh, I can't remember his name, but he was talking about different ways to, to to deal with um, sleep paralysis and how to get yourself out. And dang, I wish I could remember more details about it, but I can at least tell you the show to go to. It's on the internet. You can go go find it yourself. And, and our apologies. We, as we said, we have 700 videos. I, I'm, I'm frankly amazed at the level of current encyclopedic memory for, for like, she'll always know, oh, we did a show about that where we featured this. So, I mean, good, good on you. <laughs> Anything else about um yeah right about uh, sleep or sleep paralysis uh, yeah you weren't finished well I can just add that definitely Swedenborg learned that around us while we sleep there's a lot of evil spirits that want to do us harm and for the most and we are protected but that doesn't mean no troubles can happen <laughs> um, you know of course there can be nightmares there can be this sleep paralysis but um, like in other situations where Swedenborg talked about, you can seem like you are not safe on one level, but but you actually are. Um, there can be more external ways that you're being harassed, but um, you can also trust that on on your deeper level, you are perfectly safe. So I know that might not be so much. Well, I think I did hear from a viewer one time that who was able to stay calm during sleep paralysis, and it it helped. Um, so maybe just trying to trust that, okay, there's a harassing spirit bugging me right now, but um, I am being protected, you know, and maybe do some praying or something. Yeah. I mean, that's, it sounds like it's a really scary thing. Um, so hopefully 
but but you're awake enough that that you can sort of draw on some of your resources so hopefully that idea can stick stick with anyone who's watching and, and you can remember that hey this is it's just fear you know it's not actually potential for for harm uh jonathan i want to get to you in a second but i just gotta say i gotta say thank you thank you to deborah thank you, thank you to marianne and thank you to sean and thank you to brenda everybody's been piling in we are now five dollars away wow. from extra 15 minutes so just really if anyone is thinking about going to otle.cosvox.com just realize what you're getting yourself into. If anyone donates five dollars, we're going to overtime on this show. So thank you so much for your support, everyone. Yeah, Jonathan, what what do you think about you know sleep is obviously something Swedenborg talked quite a lot about. It was sort of his bridge into the spiritual world initially. So what do you think? Yeah, I don't don't have too much to add to what's already been said, but I'm having the thought of the connection with the previous question about the powerlessness of, of Jonah in the belly of the great fish. And, and what more powerless thing is there than a sleep paralysis or locked in syndrome or anything like that? Um, what a, it's a really terrible thing to, to go through. Um, uh, I don't know why it's permitted because there is this teaching about protection of a kind, but it does seem like everything that happens like that, there's some lesson, we're not being punished, but there's a lesson of, of some kind, you know, something that we can learn, just even if it's just relief that it, when it stops and, and, and um, that sort of thing. He talks about, uh, there was a, uh, I don't know how they're translated in the New Century Edition when I think about it, but there's, there are these spirits called the incubus and the succubus, so, you know, that would come and crush your chest and stuff like that when you're when you're sleeping you're sort right. of suffocating and, and that kind of thing and so he was um very aware of of all that sort of thing oh that's the other thought that i had was that you know how some some bees i love bees but isn't it true that there's some bees that they sting you and you go ow but it actually kills the bee to sting you like that's the last thing they'll ever do yeah uh, I believe it's taught by Swedenborg that when these spirits harass us in that way, that's the last thing they ever do to anyone that it's over, you know, so they're, they're allowed to do that, but they, they get sent down. They, they don't spirit, they don't die, die. You know what I mean? Right. But, the, but they're, they're, they've been in the world of spirits. They're, they're sent down to hell uh, because that's exactly what you're not allowed to do. And so, Maybe that's a helpful thought that this is this is their last hurrah. You're going to survive this, but it's going to be different for them. Yeah. Wow. Cara, um, any thoughts on sleep and uh, and spirits and and all of the above? Just sympathies. Um, you think of sleep as a time that's meant to be restful and restorative, and you're meant to be safe and protected, and it just doesn't come down that way for people. So. <laughs> All for all people. So my heart goes out to you, Daffodil. And um, that's it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the funny thing is, you like, you know, that internet thing where you freeze a little bit and then you come back. Uh, you did that right just for the last like two sentences. And then you just came back when you said, that's it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, but I, I believe what you said was 
um, your sympathies. It's supposed to be restorative time, uh, but instead got this stuff going on. Hey, so I want to say something, which is that thanks to Elizabeth, we are now up over our match. We are going to do an extra 15 minutes. And as another bonus, I'll tell you guys a story about myself and what the closest thing I've experienced to sleep paralysis. So, um, and I, I just was just thinking of it now and sort of connecting it to that. It was like sort of vocal sleep paralysis. So I was, um, <coughs> pardon me, we had just, um, I was actually on vacation several years ago and uh, we were on in the beach house and a hurricane was coming. So we had to evacuate and go stay in a little inland town till it, till it passed. Um, so it was in a strange place under distressing conditions, the hurricane was coming to hit. And I was sleeping in this hotel room and just as I was, it was like, it was like the middle of the night and I was having this dream and in the dream, suddenly so there was some evil being, right? And suddenly it was rushing at me right at the end of the dream. And right as it was rushing, the like uh, radiator or AC or something kicked on in the room. So it went like a physical sound combining with that. It was very frightening. And I was trying to yell help because I was very scared, but I was, I couldn't yell help. And I'm very, I'm pretty certain that I woke up going, like making a very loud noise where um, I couldn't really articulate vocal sounds. But so I just that feeling of like, I need to say this, but I can't say this. Um, not like a classic sleep paralysis, but stuck out so much in my mind as being so vivid. I don't know if it was a combination of the dream and the, the physical thing, but it was definitely like, it was both humorous because I probably sounded really funny, but also very scary at the same time. So there's my, my story. Wow. I, that's amazing. <laughs> I've had that too, waking up and trying to say something. Couldn't, um, I do remember a section in that dream show called the battle we sleep through and that there really is this battle going on. The evil spirits really want to get us in the night, but there's this constant protection and that there were, there are choirs, like choirs of angels help to disperse the evil spirits. So maybe that's something to think about. Think about angelic singing and yeah, just hang in there. Like there's help working on it. Even if the, the bad guys are, are, reaching you for the moment um it's being worked on <laughs> okay yeah i i uh hope that that was good daffodil um thanks for asking your question let's move on to the next before we do it was ryan hurd he was the guy who we brought in that, that, who had some expertise in dreams thanks to Stuart for for checking checking that um yes can i add one thing because i i cheated and looked at the show and there is this <laughs> There's this quote from Swedenborg saying um, he was had this weight on his chest. He was sleeping and he he was he couldn't move. And then he realized the Lord was working within him and he turned on his side and then he he got out of it. And I that rings about like I wonder if either Ryan heard or somebody else has talked about just just um, trying not trying too hard, like struggling. But see if you could just shift a little to your side. I don't know. <laughs> you guys that's great advice 
And is it cheating for us to look at the internet while we're doing this, or is it fine? It's probably fine. I mean, everybody else is. So I, I think that our our knowledge of, of uh, you know, how to search our catalog is, is an asset as well. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on. Thanks so much, Daffodil, to the next question. Before we do, I want to say thanks again. Thank you to Hope, who made a donation. We're now creeping up towards three-fifths of the way there. Even though we already hit our goal, remember, everything you guys donate, let's just take advantage of this match, this special match for the night. So thank you, everyone, otle.cosvox.com. Next, in, your, your donation supports all of our programming on the whole channel, not just this show. Elsa Hedenberg asks, please elaborate on the process people with dementia make the transition to death. If it takes time to recover, and how long? So in dementia, as I understand it, you kind of lose what makes you you. You kind of lose your your access to your your memories and your your rational state. And I guess people who love somebody with dementia, I don't know if any of you have had someone, but you kind of feel like where they where are they going? Where'd they go? Um, so yeah, you'd want to know like when when are they back? So does anyone uh, have any thoughts on that? Yeah, Karen. I do. My mother-in-law had dementia and she's passed away now. But um, I, I don't believe there would be some long time of shifting back because that's it's so physical dementia. I mean, it's just it's so brain blockage, you know, like physical brain blockage. It's not it's not their mind. And even in dementia, you know, my mother-in-law would have moments of of clarity where she'd talk very like <laughs> about what was actually going on and then shift back. And so if even, even during that, there are those moments, you can see that person's still in there. They're just having trouble getting through that clogged up brain. But I, I just imagine once you sh shed that physical brain, it's, I would think it'd be pretty instant that you're back, you know, fight your mind is free again. It had been, kind of trapped in there for a long time, but just like you could get out of a physical body that had a, you know, a disability or a bad injury, you shed that physical body. You're not, you don't have to deal with it at all anymore. I, I that's how I feel about dementia. It's, it's a very physical brain thing and that mind will just be free. <laughs> yeah. I mean, amazing to think about, um, that the instantaneous nature of the spirit and that that, that person's got to be somewhere anyway, you know? Yeah. Jonathan. I, I just agree with what Karen said. The, um, I, I do think it's a physical thing. And I think that uh, release is so quick. Swedenborg talks about it being like waking up out of a sleep, um, you know, for people after death. So, and I know sometimes um, this is more anecdotal, but people will um, even like at the the hour of death, uh, it seems like people's spirits are like already like running around and visiting people and dropping in. Like sometimes you don't even know, oh, that's when they you find out later. Oh, they passed at, you know, 543 in the afternoon or something. And oh, yeah, I felt a visitation right then. Like I, I, I don't think there's any sort of long delay of time, you know, like to be released from the body and these other limitations is just uh, glorious, I think. The other issues like psychological issues, whatever, you know, those those we, we keep working on indefinitely. Um, 
in a, in a good way. I mean, it just keeps getting better, but, but stuff that's just, it just seems like plaque in your head is stopping your spirit from being able to connect with your body in the right way or something like that. And so getting that out of the way, um, Swedenborg says, uh, as I think I've mentioned on the show before, this quote that somebody asked him how he would feel about dying. And he said, I should be finally rid of my sinful body. It's just an interesting idea that there's sort of junk that adheres to the flesh. And he seemed like he expected to, he said he would, you know, how would he feel about it? He said, I'd hire an orchestra, um, you know, like get a, get a band, get have, have a party because it's going to be so great. And so I think that be dementia is such a horrible thing. It's a thing that a lot of people fear as they age, like, oh, I hope it doesn't happen to me and, and all that. What a curse. And so to be released, I, I like the idea of a quick rising into the light and like waking up. Beautiful. Yeah. And I, th I think isn't it called terminal lucidity, where people who have lost a lot of their faculties, uh, medical professionals will, will report that soon before they go, they actually snap to a little bit or come to a little bit and are able to connect much more with, with who and what they are. Um, you know, so, so that could very well be a, a part of that. Um, so I also think about, yeah, Cara, do you want to jump in for a second? I think you're, uh, you're muted, which is good Zoom protocol. Uh, okay, there you go. We had some noise in the house. Um, just wanting to make the point that um, Swedenborg talks about it's our freedom and our rationality that make us human and that anything that impedes that, any kind of physical condition, um, just sort of takes us, um, takes away our, the responsibility sort of for what's going on in our mind. So if there's some condition of the brain that's causing dementia, that does not change who we are, you know, our, our humanity. Um, it's just like a, a delay or something, you know, it's just like a covering over for, for a temporary time. And the way Swedenborg talks about how things of this world, concerns of this world, and things of the physical world just fall away at death does make it sound like it's, it's not going to be something that is a big lag, you know, before you get to take up your real self again. Yeah. And I would say that some further uh, encouragement toward the idea that spiritual conditions are remedied very quickly spiritually is um, that soon we would talk about how the difference between physical and spiritual things is that physical things are static and fixed. But that's actually one of the major characteristics that things are fluid and dynamic spiritually. They're much more rigid and static here. So Jonathan, you were talking about the gunk and the, that if, if your brain structure, you know, has got some kind of deterioration in it, which while we're here, we operate through the brain and all the senses connected to it. We, we live through the body. So if there's an issue with the body, we're at the mercy of the state of the body. Um, that, that, that is something static, but spiritually, it seems to be much, much more, uh, there, there's just sort of like bearings you roll along on. Cause he'll talk about people going in and out of, um, like, uh, rationality very easily. He'll talk about people who like, they have a connection with all these other societies, which gives them their ability to think and reason. But when those societies pull back, they are, they're reduced into like a very childlike state. 
or, or almost into the state of being part, barely alive at all. And then this societies can come right back. And it seems like this can just happen very quickly when it's needed for um, that person's particular regeneration. So I think somebody who had any kind of drawing back of their spiritual connections or anything that could be involved with something like dementia, that would be able to come back uh, really quickly. Yeah. And, you know, another fascinating thought to throw in there is that concept that Swedenborg just talked about a little bit about a level of a person that is conscious and living and, and doing stuff um, unbeknownst to the person, that same person's earthly level. Um, even not talking about dementia, Swedenborg would have talked to the spirit, the higher level of the spirit of someone who was on earth and the person on earth didn't, you know, their earthly consciousness didn't know they were having a conversation with Swedenborg, but Swedenborg was having a conversation with their higher self, basically. And so there is, we, we have life beyond our earthly consciousness that is actually something's going on. <laughs> and so it, uh, you know, that, that amazing clarity that comes at the end of life, uh, like you were mentioning, Curtis, um, could just be this higher self, like popping through for a minute, just to, to, uh, you know, say goodbye to the loved ones or whatever often happens in those, those clear moments. But that's, that's fascinating. And even there was a, a show you were on Curtis, a radio show talking with a man and a woman. And I just remember the woman, she worked in I don't know if it was a hospice or somewhere she was taking care of people who sometimes had dementia. And she was also kind of spiritually aware. She, she had some spiritual experiences and she described being aware of the spirit of a woman. I, I think a patient had dementia, just saying some things to her, like that, that this condition was to help her family through some, you know, there, there were, uh, spiritually developmental things her family was accomplishing by dealing and taking care of her basically, but she was fine. And, you know, like, uh, she was very all there on that level. So it's just interesting to throw in the mix that, um, if that's already there, like you just shed that physical layer and you're, you're where you already were, <laughs> you know, the real. Yep. Wonderful. All right. So Elsa, hopefully that, shed some light on that. I just want to pause for a second to say thank you to Matthew who made a contribution and we continue to rise both in money and in matching. Thank you. So every, it, it really is like every time I know I get a notification that somebody's contributed, I'm just like, oh, that's so nice of them. I mean, really you guys to support what we're doing means everything. And so let's, uh, let's prove it by answering more questions. This is from Veritas Vos Liberabit, Liberabit. Does Swedenborg speak about spiritual practices where the body is an element, like yoga, chakras, mantras, something where you're using the whole form uh, of yourself to practice? What do you think, everyone? Does Swedenborg uh, address that directly, or does anything in his teachings uh, give you a way in? Yeah, Jonathan. Well, um, we were talking earlier tonight about uh, breathing, and Karn reminded me of what Swedenborg says about tacit breathing. Uh, where he 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 was shown how to go into a different state where he's it's almost the opposite, but I think it is related to you know that that it would become very still, uh, almost um, no breathing, and that would enable him to be in a more spiritual state. But I have to say that um, uh, 
uh, I don't know if you could call it a frustration, but just something that has bothered me is that Swedenborg says so little about spiritual practice. Like I want him to just tell me, breathe in your left nostril, breathe out your right, do this, sit here, do that. And uh, he, he, he doesn't do that. The only real spiritual practice that he talks about at any length is repentance. You know, we got to do self-examination right. and, and uh, you know, approach the Lord and try to live a new life. And he's very pragmatic in that way. And I know he must have had all kinds of spiritual practices involved in what he was doing. And I assume that the connection is not that spiritual practice is a negative thing. It's just that he's not going to say, breathe through your left nostril, not your right. Maybe you should breathe in your right nostril. You know, for you, maybe that would be right. If people know what's right for themselves. And so that's for each individual to discover, you know, because I think there ultimately would be as many practices as there are people. Um, but it's surprising how little he says about the, that kind of thing in a way. But hopefully other people on the panel can prove me wrong. Let's come on. We, how often do you get an opportunity like this? Let's <laughs> prove him wrong. Yes, Karen. I'm, I'm not going to prove him wrong, but I'm going to say some more things. Um, if the thing, thing of, of a question about chakras and mantras and things is the language would be so different. Sometimes I'm, I'm reading a lot of Swedenborg and I'm feeling like, oh, he's saying some really fascinating things, but it's not in the same language that we would think of today, you know, um, that would maybe help me link something he said to the idea of a chakra. Um, because he, I do find him definitely, because he was so aware of how the, the body connects to the spiritual world. I mean, he just said a lot about that. And, you know, even I was just reading a, something recently where he was really talking about like sin closes the little tiny blood vessels that seemed like they were almost spiritual blood vessels, but they connected to the physical body and brings about disease, you know? So like um, definitely he says a lot about the body connecting to the spiritual world. And I'm sure if, and things about like the cerebellum and, and because I, I did study a little bit of uh, Paramahansa Yogananda and found some similar things being talked about, like back here near at the base of the skull and up here. And I've found little things that Swedenborg mentions those places too. And I don't quite know how to relate them or exactly what he's saying. But I, but my guess is that he wanted to focus on repentance more than this kind of thing because he knew full well that if you go trying this stuff and you haven't got things right in your heart and mind, you're in for danger. Like you're going to get in touch with all sorts of, you know, bad guys that are going to harass you, bad spirits and everything. So I think he wanted us to make sure we're doing that inner work and getting this protection from the Lord. And then whatever you try, you know, whatever you uh, come across that works for you to kind of get, get in a spiritual state, you'll be safe and protected. <laughs> so. Almost like Swedenborg is teaching stretching and then go play whatever sport you want. But if you didn't stretch, you're <laughs> going to feel it. And I never really knew what that meant. Like you got to stretch until I got old. And then it's like, Oh, ah, I can't, ah, I'm falling apart. So stretch. It's important. Yeah. Cara, did you have something? Um, 
not much. Uh, just the shared frustration of not having a little more guidelines. But I did want to say that I love the commenter's name. The truth shall set you free. Thanks, Veritas Vos Liberabit. I was okay. So you guys watched me struggle through that pronunciation, knowing full well exactly what it was. I have two Latin. If somebody's got a Latin name, I have two Latin scholars sitting here, and I'm the host, and I'm like, Liber Battle. Bit. Uh, hey. I know we got more to say. Before we do, though, I want to say a gigantic thank you to Alan, who's put us way up high here. We now have getting close to 400, uh, and the night is still super young. So thanks, everyone, so, so much. But any, any other commentary on uh, – yeah, Jonathan. Well, the um, uh, what's popped to mind is that he does also talk – a number of times he sort of quotes that idea that I think had been around since classical times of a of a sound mind and a sound body. I mean, you see that phrase in his works. And I think that was an important concept to him. And he does talk about, um, in very general terms, doesn't tell you what to eat, but he talks about diet. Um, and we know from people who wrote down, you know, anecdotes about his life, that he was careful about all that. In fact, uh, one time when the the Lord and angels started to interact with him, they said, eat not so much. Um, and it's hard to tell whether that meant just physically he was eating too much or, or spiritually. There are stories of him uh, going out to um, a friend's house uh, that was uh, seven miles away, and he was... Um, I think in his late 70s or early 80s, um, and they were so surprised when he didn't call a carriage afterwards. He said, oh, I can easily walk. Uh, he was quite a walker. And, and um, you know, so I think he was practicing that like that is it is important for the, the it, it's both, you don't just sort of forget the body and, and try to have a sound mind. Uh, the, the two really need to work together. So there's some sort of implied practice in that. Yeah. And uh, before we let anyone else say anything, do you know what this sign means by now? I want to say thank you. Uh, we just got an anonymous gift that put us, as happens on this show, because you guys are also nice, way, way up into outer space. We're now just about $900 uh, <laughs> raised yeah, on the show. So, so um, thank you so much, anonymous. Thank you, everyone who's making this happen. And uh, anyone else who feels like they want to get in, otle.causevox.com, help make this programming possible. Thanks so much, uh, Anonymous. Thanks, everybody. Okay, so any, yeah, any further commentary on uh, body-involved disciplines? I wanted to make a comment about the idea of mantras because to Swedenborg, the Bible text was a definite mantra, like, reciting Bible text actually does spiritual things. It would get him in touch with spiritual communities, with angels, with, it would actual things happen. So to Swedenborg, the Bible was a mantra. I can't remember if I've ever come across other things he would say, but that was definitely a huge, <laughs> a huge one in his life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and whether or not he prescribed any particular body-related practice. Um, his theology or cosmology or, or cosmopology, whatever it is, is more body-connected than anything you'll find anywhere. 
I mean, not only is he saying, like he's definitely lays the groundwork for like a yoga to, to work. Cause he's saying that the body is the form of heaven, right? That everything in you answers to your body is a roadmap for how the human race can live harmoniously together. He talked about how every different community of heaven and hell interacted with a different part of the body. Nothing is more, it's not just that there's, here's some theology on a page with words and, oh, the, the thing you walk around in every day, I don't know what that is. This was so intertwined with the, the body and all the little structures that make it up that it definitely, um, it definitely, I think, totally enables all of that stuff. And I'll let Jonathan have the next word, the last word before we get on to the next question. Well, you just reminded me of how often Swedenborg, it's baffling when you first encounter his works, because he'll say, I saw these spirits, they were to the left of the liver, or they were, you know, by the kidneys or something. Who, whose kidneys? What are, you, what are you talking about? But I think he was actually very aware of his own body and feeling these things in some sort of, you know, like, this is the location you know, like that was a map spiritually, very specifically for him about, and in fact, it goes back to that question about how, how can you tell what sort of spirits are interacting with you? He would sometimes say, well, this type comes to your left ear, this comes to your right ear, and, you know, they're down below or they're up above and, and all that. And um, uh, so the, the body's a map. Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's just beyond cool. It's just beyond great. I mean, there's so much, so much to dig in there. We could spend forever on there. Let's keep moving, though. Before we go anywhere, thank you to Mojda. We continue to climb up. Thanks, everybody, with the, with the matching and all your gifts. We've now, this tonight, raised a total of $1,395. We're going to put that right into reaching the next person with these ideas so you, you can see yourself as making a difference in their life. Let's take a question from Keith Curry who asks, can a spouse that has passed hear our thoughts when we're thinking about them? Which I think if there's one thing that's drawn more people to the Swedenborg's message as we put it out on this channel, more than anything, it's, it's wondering about the loss of a loved one and the loss of a spouse can be particularly crushing. So, you know, obviously we're thinking about them and how, how aware are they? And I know this is a question we've, we've pondered over before and, and just wondering where, wherever, what, what sticks out to all of you when you think through sort of Swedenborg's concepts around that afterlife connection. Karen, you want to lead us off? Yeah, de definitely. There's a quote in which Swedenborg talks about thoughts and feelings are received by people in the afterlife. And so I don't know if it would be heard. We, we did do, a, maybe you did a news from heaven or I think Curtis about angels hearing the thoughts of people or yeah, people were our, our emotion. I think our emotions are um, heard by the, the desires of our heart are audible in heaven. Again, we gotta gotta search that catalog. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so definitely thoughts and feelings transmit to the spiritual world and to anybody connected with you. And obviously, your wife Keith would be very connected to you in love because love unites thoughts bring presence, love unites. And so there's no doubt in my mind that she is receiving your thoughts and feelings in, in some way. Um, I don't know if that would be audibly or even visually or, or just as tel telepathy, but just trust that yes, 
The answer is yes, she's receiving them. Beautiful. Yeah, Jonathan. Um, uh, I think that the um, point particularly about the feelings is, um, is powerful that uh, they, they can sort of feel your, your love, your, your thoughts that are going out to the person. I think it depends somewhat on what type of thoughts. If your thoughts are, I lost the darn car keys again, or something like that, uh, I don't know whether they, they may just sort of feel your frustration. I, I, don't, I don't know if specific earthly things go across because Swedenborg says so many times that when, when we're reading the Bible, for instance, uh, and that sort of you know, sacred literature, uh, all the names and places get stripped out. And, and um, uh, so I don't know if specific things like, uh, you know, our daughter moved into an apartment in Brooklyn or so, you know, I don't know if that gets across, but, um, uh, but the more that it's like part of what Swedenborg is saying is that um, in most ancient times, the way that people thought on earth was akin to the way that angels think and they thought in correspondences and therefore the thinking was together. So I think if, as the thought is higher, you know, there's different types of thought and that higher type of thought would totally connect with angels. In some ways, Swedenborg's whole project was to get us thinking and living like angels so that we could be more connected so that heaven and earth could be closer together. Um, so those are some thoughts. Yeah. Well, that's great. It's, yeah. The, the, the importance and the connection. Uh, I just love the idea of, of our, even if it's not direct, there's the meaning is being communicated there. I want to hear some more things. Uh, first of all, we continue to climb ever higher and higher. We're in danger of running out of this piece of paper. So I want to say thank you to Chelsea. Oh. Chelsea. And I think it's, uh, I've been told on good information that it's Chelsea, Chelsea, like Chelsea Odner from our <laughs> show, which thank means we have a celebrity watching our program right now so we better do a good job thank you chelsea thank you everyone uh yeah car did you have any any thoughts about the the connection uh, how how in tune are are people on the other side to what's going on with us i love to hear the clarity in karen and jonathan i when i think about it i have a sense of um a heart connection um like you would feel, you would feel your connection. You would feel your love for each other. And um, it's, I, I don't have any thoughts about the thought part of it, but I think it's a great point that Jonathan makes about probably not about where the car keys are, <laughs> but more, more the quality of your relationship, that there's something, some sense of the quality of your relationship that's going to carry on and that that is communicated. Yeah. And I, so something to, to, to throw a, a bone to thoughts and, and the direct re reception of them. I was reading near the end of the first volume of Swedenborg's Journal of Spiritual Experiences, uh, where he's talking about how he's in a unique condition where spirits were, were very aware directly of what was going on with him, right? They could know his, even sometimes see through his senses, right? See the world as he saw it. But he was in a state here where he's describing that he had spirits around him, but they couldn't they couldn't see anything he was seeing unless he brought it to mind intentionally. 
So it's something about when he was, there was some kind of, you know, object in the world, but when he focused on it and started thinking about it, then they knew what he was looking at. So there is some form of connection in there. However, that goes, you know, in a normal person, you know, and probably if you've got this, I mean, we just were, we're working on an upcoming show we have about actually about this topic and about the, you know, married partners and, and how the death of one doesn't dissolve the relationship because they are connected in spirit. So that connection is probably somehow registering everything, which is what, what we've already been saying, which is to say like there's a real connection there and, and probably everything you're doing is in some way reaching uh, the person that you, you love so much. So let's, uh, thanks so much, Keith, for the question. Let's, let's get a question from Matthew Bush. He says, how do you know if you are being regenerated or are regenerated? And regeneration is Swedenborg's process of spiritual growth. That's really sort of the point of life. And you ask the right people because we are all fully regenerated <laughs> on this panel. Yeah, Cara, do you want to start it off? <laughs> That's a great kickoff, Curtis. <laughs> uh, because I believe that Swedenborg says it's extremely rare for people to be fully regenerated while they're still on this earth. What are the chances? Four <laughs> of us. Right here. <laughs> right. Um, but what, what occurs to me is that there could certainly be parts of you, you know, parts of you that are regenerated, perhaps. Mm. The part of you that uh, used to want to steal things in the candy store or something like that. I mean, certain qualities, I imagine you could actually conquer to such a degree or uh, have the Lord uh, cause to be reborn in you. Um, and it might not add up to the, it might not add up to 100% regenerate, but might there be pieces of you that um, have gone through the process? It's, I'm just returning Matthew's question with another question. Uh, no, I love it. I, and I didn't really think of that. That there's definitely, it does seem like there's some things that I'm not as bad at as I used to be. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Jonathan, what do you think? Um, there's a couple of times where Swedenborg is so nice as to give us a list and I forget exactly what the list says. We'll have to dig that up or something, but um I think it had something to do with where your thoughts go when you're just by yourself. Like what sorts of things are you dwelling on? Are you thinking about, you know, revenge or, or, you know, uh, where does your mind go? And if you're thinking sort of merciful, compassionate thoughts, I think another example that he gives is um, if you're going for a job, and someone else is going for a job and you know the other person is better qualified and would do a better job than you would and you pull back for that reason then you're all right like you you care about the use more than yourself having that job or that income kind of thing you know he he lays out some sort of signs a, a lot in a lot of ways he says you don't know and it's very confusing sometimes he says go ask wise people well, gosh, I wish there were any. I don't know <laughs> where you'd find them, but but uh, it, it sounds as though sometimes wise people can tell whether you're on the right track or not. And one symptom is if you see things in yourself that are worse and worse and worse than you could ever imagine. 
that's a very good sign because actually your higher self is being developed and you can see the garbage in your lower self to a greater degree. And Swedenborg talks about being amazed at the things that he could see in himself. Uh, just where is all this coming from, you know? And so that's encouraging. He'll also say things like the people who have um, very thick clouds that block the sun sometimes feel like they're in the greatest light. And the people who think they're in the darkness are actually doing very well and the clouds are very thin. And, and so it's, it's really hard to tell a lot of the time, I think. But there's certain clues about where, where our minds go when left to their own devices and whether we feel sort of spontaneous compassion or, or we, we feel, you know, even he says uh, another passage that if you feel regret for the insane things you did when you were young, there is hope for you. <laughs> Not yet. I, st I stick by it all. Hey, I want to say um, thank you to Paula. Really appreciate it. We are at a total of raised over the whole night of 1,470. So just creeping right up on a solid 1,500. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, Karin, yeah, were you going to say something? Yeah, I think it is important to not think of regeneration as um, have I arrived yet or not so much because it's an eternal process. It's, it will go on forever, just getting um, more and more regenerated by the Lord. But one thing I was thinking is um, in the creation story, which is uh, in the Bible, which is about our, the, our regeneration. It's about our rebirth. And there's two types, there's two levels of regeneration. One is the sixth day and one is the seventh. And the sixth day is the literal text says, you know, here's the humans and the animals and the humans are to be in charge of the animals, which in some translations sounds like we're supposed to dominate animals and <laughs> people haven't liked that verse. But what it means is that your higher, the animals are emotions you know, just um, emotions and, and thoughts. And if you can have a part of you that's awakened enough to, to be able to look, look at those thoughts and feelings and, and have control of them, like you would with your beloved pet, you know, just make sure it doesn't get out of control and go and bite the neighbor and, and all this. Um, that is one level of regeneration that is, um, it needs to, keep watch on things. You need to keep watch on your thoughts and feelings. Um, and so it doesn't mean you're not regenerated or it certainly means you are on a good path. If you notice negativity popping in and popping in and you know, like, Oh no, I don't want that. I don't want that. So you need not be discouraged. Uh, like Jonathan was saying, <laughs> the more you notice a negativity in yourself, that can actually be a very good sign because you're getting clearer and clearer out on what you don't want to be. And then there's that seventh day level of regeneration, which is the celestial level, which is very hard to achieve, especially in this life, which is peace. You don't even want it. The, the thoughts can't even come any, in anymore, the negative ones, because they're so, so not attracted to you anymore. And the, the Lord can get you there. Uh, but, but uh, I think the main thing is just to, Keep in mind that it's a gradual process. It's something we'll keep working on in this life and the next. And it doesn't 
it doesn't mean you won't have any negativity going on, but it means you're getting better and better at recognizing it and then not, not jumping on the bandwagon, but just, ha you know, you get to decide <laughs> um, how to control that and not let those impulses uh, act out. Beautiful. Those are great thoughts. And I, I take comfort in the fact that I have equally hard time controlling my mind and my dog. So they're right in lockstep with each other. I want to say that I, I do think of my lower ego as a pet, like, okay, you know, okay, nope, down, 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 you know, like it really, yeah. that, that you can love, you know, like your lower self, it's not an, it's when it's in its proper order, it's, it's a lovely thing. And it's, it's a good, <laughs> a good uh, thing to have, but it just needs to not be out of control. Um, yeah. Great. All right. Hey, thanks so much, Matthew Bush for the question. Let's, uh, I think we can get one more in here. We just got to be kind of quick, expedient in answering it. This is from Flower Child, who asks, what's the best, it's kind of related, what's the best way to repent, in Swedenborg's opinion? So, yeah, Cara. Um, examine yourself. Uh, make your, take responsibility for the things that you have find, the not so good things that you find inside yourself. Um, approach the Lord and ask for his help with those problems and then begin a new life. Live differently. Don't do that stuff anymore. I think that's, uh, hey, that's, Hey, you know what? Let's close on that because that's exactly sweet. This, this one does have a direct answer <laughs> from Swedenborg and we just got it from Swedenborg to AKA Cara. Um, so uh, that's that's going to be the end of our show uh, for tonight. Thank you so much to everybody, um, uh, people who contributed. This has been such a, such an amazing thing you did for us and such a show of support that this programming is valuable. So thanks again from the bottom of not just the four of our hearts, but everybody who's working on this project and from the next person who finds our channel and gets something out of it because it was your contributions that made that possible. To prove that we're still hard at work, I want to just tease and say we've got uh, – a show coming up next Monday where we continue our divine design series called Awakening to God's Design Changes Your Spirit. This is about the effects on us it has when we start to live in order doing the kinds of things we were just talking about there. So that was really exciting. Again, we had 18 donors tonight, gave a total of 1,470 when you count that match in there. Uh, five brand new donors tonight. Welcome to our donor community. Great to have all of you uh, here. So you may be watching after the fact, because this is a recorded show, and actually most people watch this after the fact, and you may be saying to yourself, oh, I didn't get to be part of that party. But there's actually an even bigger party starting right now, because we had an anonymous couple actually give us $10,000 matching gift. They, they wanted uh, their support to be an incentive for others to give back and contribute to Off the Left Eye. So from now until whenever, um, every time you go and contrib monthly contrib contribution, one-time contribution, it will get matched as part of that $10,000. So we'll end up getting uh, an extra $10,000 for Off the Left Eye. And again, we, put, we take it very seriously to put that to good use. Thanks to them. Thanks to all of you again. And I hope that watching this, gives you something that you can take out into your week and apply and it lifts your spirits and, and they stay up for, for a good long while. Thank you to our panel. You guys rock. 
Uh, it's great getting to, to wade through all this with you. And thanks to everyone who wrote in a question. Uh, there were su such good, insightful things to, to chew over here. Hope you all have a very good night and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, Off the Left Eye community, we're very excited to announce that we're starting a brand new podcast called Inside Off the Left Eye. Every Sunday, starting July 19th, you'll get to come Inside Off the Left Eye with me, Chelsea Odner, to hear exclusive interviews with Curtis Childs and the Reverend Dr. Jonathan Rose as we explore fascinating ideas in Swedenborg's writings and delve into their historical context. Inside Off the Left Eye is your place to get sneak previews and extras of all the content Off the Left Eye produces, as well as to learn all the ways that you can be involved so you don't miss a thing. Subscribe now to Inside Off the Left Eye wherever you listen to podcasts.